Well, good morning, everyone. There's lots of chatter in the house this morning, but I just want to welcome you all here today and welcome those that are listening online. It's been a long time since I've been able to stand in person in front of you, and you all look amazing. I want to thank Pastor Sean for inviting me here today as we continue on in the series of the One Another's. And today we're going to look at Build One Another Up. So let's get started. Occasionally, a ewe will give birth to a lamb. And for whatever reason, she rejects it. And if the shepherd tries to return the lamb to the ewe, she may even kick it away. And she kicks it so hard that the lamb walks away with its head hung so low that it looks like there's something wrong with its neck. Its spirit is broken. And they call these lambs bummer lambs. And unless the shepherd intervenes, the little bummer lamb will die. So what does the shepherd do? He gathers the little lamb up and he takes the lamb home. He sets it by the warm fire. He hand feeds it. He wraps it in blankets and he holds it close to his heart so that the little lamb can hear its heartbeat. And once the lamb is strong enough, he places it back in his flock. But the little lamb never forgets who loved him first. So guess who comes running when the shepherd calls the sheep? It's the little lamb that does. And it's not that he's loved more, but it's that he knows the shepherd's voice intimately. So many of us are like these little bummer lambs. We're either rejected by family or this world, and we come and we're broken. And the shepherd wants to use each one of you to be part of the process of building up others, to building up especially the bummer lambs. Pastor Sean talked a few weeks ago about people who lack attachment and the shame that comes with that. They're bummer lambs, and they need us to help them. So how do we engage in building one another up? Well, Romans 14, 9, 14, 19 says, So let, let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build up each other. And 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you've been doing. Let's open in prayer. Father in heaven, we praise you and we thank you for each one here today and those online. We pray that you would send your Holy Spirit, that you would open the eyes of our understanding and speak to us through your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, one of the most powerful ways we can build one another up is with our words. Proverbs 18.21 says, The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. The tongue has the power of life and death. I love when we were planning this series and we get together when we do, and it was either Pastor Tyson or Mo who said, you spew what you chew. 
Fresh tomatoes or rotten tomatoes, both are fruit, but only one is good. These days, we're speaking more words than ever and thinking less about them when we say them. The stakes are high. You can either build someone other up, you can speak life, or you can tear someone down, and you can speak death. And as we've seen across the province how quickly a forest fire can spread, so are our hateful words and our gossip can spread like wildfire. It's been said that great minds discuss ideas, average minds discuss events, and small minds discuss people. It was a challenge for me to see how big my mind was. Your words have the ability to destroy someone's life or change someone's life for all of eternity. And they say that you may not remember what someone said to you yesterday, but if someone said something hurtful to you, you may remember it for 20, 30, 40 years. Such as my grade two teacher. I was a bit of a bummer lamb. I came from an extremely dysfunctional home and both my parents were alcoholics. And I think that my grade two teacher knew that something was up. But one day she took me in front of the class and she told me that I had the lowest marks in the class and that my spelling was atrocious. And it still is. She made me feel like the stupidest human being on the face of the planet. And she did nothing to encourage me or build me up. She just continued to give me bad marks. Her name was Mrs. McCool, and she was not cool. <laughs> but Pastor Sean shared last week that we hold the key to forgiveness. And I have forgiven her a long time ago. But I love this quote that says, Be careful with your words, because once they're spoken, they can only be forgiven, but not forgotten. And it's true in a lot of cases. So what can we do to build one another up? Well, we're going to look at four different things that we can do. And the first one is, we're going to practice the praise to criticism ratio. Well, what on earth is that? Well, there was a study done at Harvard University, and it was called the ideal praise to criticism ratio. And they looked at workplaces and teams, and they saw that the average ratio for the highest performing team was 5.6, which meant that there were nearly six positive comments to every negative one. The average performing team had, an average, had a ratio of 1.9, which meant that there were twice as many positive comments as negative ones. But the lowest performing team had a ratio of 0.3 to 1, which meant that there were three times as many negative comments as positive ones. And you see this in a workplace. Sometimes a workplace is awesome and amazing and everything's going right, and then other places are talked about as having a toxic work environment. So while negative feedback is really necessary in a workplace, it has to be balanced with positive praise. Complimenting someone on a job well done, 
how quickly and efficiently they got a task done, how they handled an angry customer. And you don't have to be the boss to do this. You can be the one that brings this praise into your work, this positive attitude into your work. It's important. Have you ever worked at a job for years and years and years and no one ever gave you any positive feedback? They never told you anything you did well? And then after a while, you decided to quit. And on the day that you quit, all of a sudden they come up to you and they just start spewing all the things they loved about you, all the things you did great. And they may even offer you a raise to stay. It's kind of like too little, too late. I love how Pastor Josh shared with us a few weeks ago that it's important to serve others in our community, but it's really important that we serve our families first. And when they took this praise to criticism ratio and they looked at marriages, it was quite transparent between couples. The difference between happy and unhappy couples was the balance between positive and negative interactions during conflict. And all marriages have conflict, do we not? There's a very specific ratio that makes love last. And the magic ratio was five to one. That means for every negative interaction in a conflict, a stable and happy marriage, there were five positive interactions. When the masters of marriage are talking about something important, Dr. Gottman says they may be arguing but there's laughing, there's teasing, there's signs of affection, and they're making an emotional connection in some form or another. On the other hand, unhappy couples tend to engage in fewer positive interactions, and they compensate with escalating negativity. And it says if the positive to negative ratio is one or one or less, this shows that the couple is teetering on divorce. So it's really, really important to practice this in our workplace, in our marriages. I've always loved the scripture in Proverbs 25, 11 that says, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. What does that mean? I love the imagery that this invokes. It speaks of something beautiful, valuable, precious. It's a, it's a word that holds weight. A word spoken in season carries the power of life. It's a word that brings water to the thirsty soul, healing to the broken heart. It meets the need of the moment. And it often comes straight from the Father's heart as he uses each one of you as a conduit to bring that word of life to somebody. That's because, do you know that our words hold power? It talks about that throughout all of the Bible. And if we go back to the beginning of Genesis, it says, words carry weight. Genesis 3.10 says, Darkness reigned, and God said, Let there be light, and there was. And we see that God used words throughout 
all creation, to speak life into being, things into existence. And he says we can do the same with our words, that our words hold weight and power in them when we stand in godly authority. There's a funny story in our family. Um, our kids have nicknamed my husband the silent giant. And if you know my husband well, he's very quiet and gentle, and he rarely raises his voice. But anyway, one day, we had just finished renovating our basement and put in new carpet and whatnot. Jordan asked if he could have a few friends over to watch a hockey game. And I think it was one of the season finale games or whatever. And we were going out for dinner. They were young adults, and we said, yeah, sure, have them over. And boys will be boys, and there was a lot of bantering going on. I think their team was losing, and a couple of boys started throwing remarks around. And before you know it, pizza got thrown across the room and ended upside down on the new carpet. And then things got a little heated, and they started going fisticuffs. And that's when we arrived home from dinner. And Will heard the commotion going on downstairs, and I guess Jordan had tried to throw them out of the house, but they were too busy pulverizing each other. And Will spoke three powerful words. He said, you best skedaddle. <laughs> yeah, he used the skedaddle word, I'm not kidding. And those boys ran out of the house. Some of them forgot their coats and their hats. Some of them even forgot their shoes. And afterwards, they said to Jordan, your dad was so mad, we were so afraid of him. Now, it helped when he spoke it, he was holding a shotgun. No, no, he wasn't. There were no weapons used in this skedaddle moment. But there was power in his words and an authority. And God says in all of our words, there's power in them. So let's use this analogy. For every negative word we speak, I was going to use lemons, because lemons are sour. But quite frankly, I like lemons. And the thought of a bowl full of lemons is quite beautiful to me. So I thought, well, what could we use for negative words? Well, we're going to use a bowl full of mushrooms. Because how many of you know what mushrooms are grown in? <laughs> They're grown in manure. And this is where a lot of our words that are hateful or hurtful come from. They come from a place of, well, manure. And then our positive words, we're going to use our golden apples. And so in a workplace, marriage, or family, if you're going to give someone positive criticism or mushrooms, you have to balance it with golden apples. You have to speak words that give life. We know that words hold power, so we need to speak words with edification. That's number two. And we learned this in a connect group a few years ago. We did a study on the power of a blessing over our children. And I don't remember the author's name, but it was a powerful study as we studied the concept of the Jews blessing their children. And you see this throughout the Bible, how important it was for the father to bless the sons or the children, and how they even stole the blessings from one another, like we saw in Jacob and Esau and whatnot. 
And so it was very powerful. So we were given the task to go home and write a blessing out for each of our children and then to speak it over them. And our children were adults when we did this, and it was extremely powerful. That's because our words, especially when it comes to our children, can build them up so much, or they can tear them down. It's a known fact that a Jewish mother will begin to speak life over her children from a very young age. And she may even start speaking into their future profession. There's a joke that says a Jewish mother was walking her two young boys down the street, and a passerby stopped her and said, How old are you boys? And she said, Well, the doctor's three, and the lawyer's two. <laughs> Is the kid a doctor yet? No, but she's speaking life into them and even into their future. I think this is what Albert Borla's mother did. Who's Albert Borla? Well, he's a survivor of the Holocaust. There was, during the Holocaust in Greece, there were 50,000 Jews that were eradicated from Greece, and only 2,000 of them survived. And one of them, Was Albert Borla's family, and they escaped to the United States. And even though they were bummer lambs, I'm sure that his mother began to speak life into him at a very young age because he grew up and he became a successful doctor and scientist, and he's the CEO of Pfizer. And for those of you who received the Pfizer vaccine, you can thank Albert Borla or maybe his mother. Susan and I have had the opportunity and great blessing of praying with dozens and dozens of people over the year. And it's always so hurtful when we see them come so broken with words that have been spoken over them, at either as a young child or as an adult. And these words enter into them, the enemy uses them like venomous darts that just pierce their soul. And continued to affect their whole walk of life until they're taken captive and recognized. And when we work together to build one another up, we become an antidote to this venom. This was a core foundation in our home when we were raising our kids, because I learned this at an early age that words hold so much power that I would not allow our children to speak things over themselves like, I'm so stupid. I'll never be good enough. I could never do that. And I would stop them and I'd say, You take that back. And sometimes we would get into a showdown because they would say, I'm not. And we would get into a showdown and it would last a while. But they did, because I would not have that in my home. And so I just had this conversation just a couple of weeks ago before my son left on a trip, and he said something, and I made him take it back. Anyway, they mock me a little bit, but they know better. I know they can hear my voice in their head. You take that back. <laughs> I can remember. When we were quite young and we were brand new Christians and we were a little bit bummer lambs, we came to this church and there was a lady greeter at the door. And you don't have to guess who she was because she's not here anymore. And she used to greet us with the most negative comments. 
I would come in the door, Will would be working away from home, and I was raising the kids, and haggard, and I'd come in the door and she'd say, Hi, Donna. Oh, you look so tired. Have you had a rough week? Well, I have now. <laughs> Will would come home from work and she'd say, Welcome home, Will. Oh my, your hair got a little bit grayer while you were gone. <laughs> Thanks. Like, our bowl is full of mushrooms now. On the other hand, when we first came to this church and we ran into people like the Forsyths and the Friesens and the Alf and Patty and the Charlie and Marie and the Boomers and the Huzzies and whatnot, we walked away and our bowl was full of apples of gold. And I love this church because I see you doing that. Belonging to an amazing connect group where you come each week and some weeks are just really, really hard and discouraging. And you come and you sit with them and they encourage you and they pray with you. Ministering with some of the beautiful ladies in the prayer group and they just speak life into you and hope and encouragement and encourage you to use your giftings, the Susans and the Judas and the Arlenes and the Marians and I could go on and on. They just speak life. And even Pastor Sean and Lisa always encouraging me in my giftings and building me up and allowing me to even stand before you today. It's amazing when someone speaks life into you. Suppose that you came to church today and someone took you aside and said, I just want you to know that I've been observing you and I just love your faith in Jesus. I love the way you serve others and the people in your community. I see how you are with your family, and you always seem to carry the joy of the Lord. And I am praying prayers of thanksgiving for you because it's inspiring to me. How would that make you feel? I know it would make me feel pretty good. I know that my faith would be increased and that it would be a, such a source of grace. Ephesians 4.29 says, The good word of edification will give grace to those who hear it. Do you want to give grace? Do you want to speak words of edification? I love this word, edifications. The scriptures would teach us that we ought to always be building up others with our words as followers of Christ. Words are good for edification. Words are good for edification according to the need of the moment. And this word translated in Greek, edification, is a kotome. And it literally means to build up. It means a building project. And I love how Pastor Kenny talked to us a few weeks ago, and he said he works in the construction business. And he loves it when things get tense, and somebody comes onto the site and spreads peace. We need to see everyone as a construction project. We need to look at everyone as a building in process. The studs are up, the walls are taking shape, and I love what this commentary says. It says, we need to do our part to complete the building. And even when it comes to constructive criticism and instruction, it has to be such that it builds a person up to be a suitable place for God. Yeah. 
a place where Jesus feels at home. I love that. To help build others up to be a dwelling place for God. So good. Is that what your words do? C.J. Mahaney says, Truly edifying words are words that reveal the character and promises and activity of God. They're cross-centered words. They're words rooted and derived from Scripture, words that identify the active presence of God, and words that communicate the evidence of grace that you observe in others. They're words that flow from a humble heart. Do you make the bummer lamb feel at home? Or are you more of a drive-by and spray graffiti kind of a person? Number three, we are not to let any unwholesome talk come out of our mouths. Ephesians 4.29 says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful in the building up of others according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. As followers of Christ, no unwholesome talk is to come out. Well, what is that? Well, it's all forms of profanity, slander, hate-filled words, words that embarrass others, words that tear down. It's words that literally destroy another believer. And I love what this word means in Greek, unwholesome. In Greek, it's sapros, and it means rotten and worthless. It means overripe, corrupt, poor quality, unfit, putrid. Words that are growing in manure. Pastor Tyson said it takes patience to spend time with people and encourage them when they don't share the same views as you when they don't have the same background, when they don't share the same ideas of politics. But it shows our unity and our love in Christ. Are you willing to spend time with people that are challenging, the bummer lambs? To put it in a better perspective, let's look at 1 Corinthians 11 18 to 19, and this is from the Passion Translation, and I love this. It says, I've been told many times that when you meet as a congregation, divisions and cliques emerge. And to some extent, this doesn't surprise me. Differences of opinion are unavoidable, true, yet they will reveal which ones among you have God's approval. And I love the footnotes in this. It says, Differences of opinion between believers expose our hearts. Mature ones will overlook offenses and faults in order to maintain the precious unity of the body of Christ. Immature ones will cause splits, divisions, cliques around their respective opinions. The ones whom God approves are those whose hearts remain pure despite petty Differences. I love that. A few weeks ago, Pastor Sean celebrated the Dubuo family in getting their Canadian citizenship. 
and they gave me permission to share this story this morning. It was five years ago when we welcomed this beautiful family to Victoria and into our congregation. And after the first year of trying to learn English, Fatty was really struggling. Nora came and she knew a little bit of English, but Fatty didn't speak any English at all. And he was very discouraged. And the place that he had been working at told him they could no longer use him as his English wasn't good enough. And he came home discouraged, much like a bummer lamb, and his mushroom bowl was full of poor comments. And he didn't know what to do. He wanted to quit and just take some meager job to support his family. And so we had to call some of the team members together. And Nora and Fatty just joked with me last couple of weeks ago that whenever we called a team meeting, that they would panic a little bit because they knew it was something serious. And they would talk to each other and say, I wonder what's, what it's about. What did we say? And Fatty said, I didn't say anything. I don't speak English. <laughs> but we went over to see them, and I took Rob Olson and Bill Boomer, and Will was with me. And we went to try and encourage them because they were so discouraged. And Fatty just wanted to quit so badly. And I presented him with this key. And on this key is the word dreams. And I told him that learning English was the key to his hopes and dreams. That it was the key to his success here in Canada. That without learning English, life would be very, very difficult. Very, very challenging. And that he needed to stick with it. And then with Rob and Bill and Will with me, they just began to speak life into him. And they told him he was a man of integrity. They said that he was hardworking, and they loved to see how he provided for his family, and how much courage it took, and how he was so good at sticking to something. How all of you came together to, to provide support for them, and that you were with them, and praying for them, and we were standing by them, and we filled his bowl full of apples. And then, after getting a tutor and Maureen Peters provided her service for a year, they stuck with it. And on May the 12th, they wrote the Canadian citizenship exam in English, which is very, very difficult. And they both passed. And then, two months ago, Fatty quit his job, and he started his own business, called Palmyra Tile. And Palmyra is a word, it's a place in Syria which is a UNESCO heritage site, and the ruins still stand there today. And it's much like the story of their life, where they have come out of the ruins, but they have stood, and with their courage and determination, and all of you standing with them and building them up, you have made them a place fit for, the, for God. And it's been an amazing journey for them. Lastly, we have to know our identity in Christ. Do you sometimes feel like a bummer lamb and you need encouragement so that you can encourage others? 
Pastor Sean talked last week about how each one of us holds the key to forgiveness. But we hold another key, and that's our identity in Christ. That's how our Papa God sees us. And he wants you to know this so that you can speak life into others. And this is how he sees us. This is what he says to you this morning. This is taken from scriptures in the Bible. You are his own possession. You are chosen and handpicked by God who created the universe. You are treasured. You are irreplaceable. You are loved beyond compare. You are worth dying for. You are forgiven. You are his child. You are set free. You are set apart. You are precious to him. You have been justified by faith. You have been free from the power of sin. You have been bought with a price. You are a new creation and you are his and his alone. And you have been held by the shepherd and you have heard his heartbeat and known his immeasurable love and mercy and grace for you. And knowing your identity in Christ and knowing how God sees you, you are the antidote to those that are feeling less than. You are the builders of people who need hope and encouragement. You are the apples of gold to counterattack the mushrooms of negativity in this world. And he needs each and every one of you to be a conduit to speak life into those around you. So let's close in prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you for each one here today and those who have joined us online. And we ask for those that are feeling a little bit like bummer lambs, that you would draw them close to you, that you would hold them close, that they could feel your heartbeat and your immeasurable love. We ask for each one here that you would use them as builders, builders of hope, builders of encouragement. Give them words that come from your very spirit, words to be used by you to build others up, to speak life. Help them in their workplaces, in their marriages, in their families, to bring the five to one ratio with them, to offer words that are positive to counterattack the negativity. Help them to speak life and not death. And we just ask that if there's anyone here today that has never accepted the Lord in their life, maybe you feel a little bit like a broken lamb rejected and he wants to lift you up out of the mire today and he wants to be your Lord and Savior and he wants to use you as a builder and if that's you here today you can raise your hand or maybe you're listening online and you can text the word life to 250-478-7113 and one of our pastors will be there to help you and guide you and assist you. But can I encourage all of you to build one another up? And sometimes, you know, it needs to be done in person. Those divine appointments. And COVID has robbed us of this. But can I say that even if it's one-on-one -on -one or in small groups, 
He wants you to be an extension of his heart and his hands. And I want to challenge you to take that 5-1 ratio with you wherever you go this week and in the days to come so that each one of you can be builders fit for God. Amen. Church, can we say thank you to Donna today mm -hmm. for You know, it's always good to put somebody on stage that practices what they preach. Yeah. So let me explain. Like, I love this idea of how we are to edify and to encourage because we, we as in Lisa and I, spent a lot of time away from Victoria before we had the opportunity to come back to serve. And it was in those cold prairie winters and dry and desolate. We actually had a champion from British Columbia whose name is Donna Pichet, who oftentimes called us to edify us, mm -hmm. sent us texts and said that you were praying for our journey, not having a hot clue when we come back here. Mm -hmm. And you were one of those people, Donna, mm -hmm. that have spoken that you built this house. I think 